Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 229 of Lay Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I am your host, Commander Felix Defire, Head of Archives at Lave Station. And joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode, we have our Deputy Trade Attaché, Commander Silverine. What up? We have our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. We have our Head of Health and Safety, Ben Mosswoodwood, Commander Aidlevice. If, if you're Head of Archives, what the hell happened to the past half hour? Um, library error, reboot and restart. Um, we also have our, our Commander Psycho hiding in the background somewhere. And we also have Commander Ventura helping out on our tech. Also joining us tonight, we have uh, three special guests. We have Commander Raytracer. Hello. Hello and welcome. We have the legend that is Obsidian Ant. Hello there. Welcome. And we also have um, Nat's right as well. Good evening, everyone. Who is also a legend in her own right. Well, she is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Um, Nat's, forgive me for saying this. I'm a bit rusty. You're still with the Hammers of the la- of Stroud. Uh, the Hammers of the Hammers of Stroud. I don't know. Hammers of Slough. I am with the Hammers of Stroud, yes. <laughs> yeah, thought so. Right. Uh, so if you wish, you can join us live. Um, where are we hanging out today, Ben? I'm in the void somewhere. I don't know where I'm going to be. I'm just looking for pretty places in the void. So basically, you're out somewhere yeah. in the void. I think you're on Distant Worlds 2 hiding somewhere, are you? I am. I'm approximate. I'm near Waypoint 3. Right. But okay, I'm not well, at Waypoint 3. Not yet. So um, if you can't get to Ben... Uh, we're also in the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through liveradio.com slash live slash click on the live chat. And of course, we are live on Twitch TV slash liveradio. So quickly going around what, what everybody's been doing for the last week. Uh, we'll start with Ben. What have you been up to in the game then? Uh, in game, I've been doing Distant Worlds 2. I have actually made it to 8.3 and I'm now just out and about looking at other things nearby. Um, but I've also been playing Grand Theft Auto and um, avoiding cannibalism in RimWorld. Um, yeah, things like that. Hmm. Now, yeah, a lot of people in the chat are saying that the hammers are Stroud. Um, isn't <laughs> that, <laughs> that would be carrying, so many levels? <laughs> that would be carrying because she basically hammers us every single time we have to get things sorted at Lavecon. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, Commander Shan, apart from monitoring the political goings-on in real life, what have you been up to? So I just noticed someone in chat is saying the Allens of Stroud. <laughs> <I saw laughs> um, yeah, the the office saga is now almost complete. The shelves are up, the wall is decorated. I've just got to um, unpack everything. I've got a special permission from Mrs. Shan to litter the lounge in boxes while I sort out all my stuff. So this next week, it will be putting it all back. So my office project is nearly complete, thankfully. Um, so that's being real life. Um, In-game, I have arrived at Waypoint 3 uh, this afternoon, and then I shall be um, scooting around the place looking for more abandoned settlements. <laughs> <laughs> Commander Sovereign, how have you been and uh, what have you been up to for the last week? 
Great, thanks. Um, I've been in Poland. The Suvet and I uh, took a little break to um, Zakopane, which is a sort of mountainous region um, on the border with Slovakia, and we went skiing for a week, uh, and it was really fun. Um, it's outrageously cheap. Uh, the, Poland isn't in the euro yet, so um, you still pay with zloty, and there are five zloty to the pound. Um, so uh, you can go out for like a, a a full big rich Polish meal with goulash and soups and things, and it's like three quid. Um, so It'll probably be four zloty to the pound by the end of the day. That's true. Yeah, good point. Yeah, um, and uh, so we've spent most of the last seven days hurling ourselves at speed down big cold mountains, which has been quite fun, really. On, on just basically planks of wood. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pointy <laughs> planks of wood. <laughs> We've both got um, really outrageous, uh, like eighties uh, ski onesies as well, <laughs> like sort of fresh Prince of Bel Air style uh, onesies. They're brilliant. So um, we were definitely the most hilarious. You, you make it sound like Poland is Elbonia from Dilbert. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've suddenly got a whole image of people looking like scousers and shell suits going down the going down the side of a mountain. <laughs> it was only two. <laughs> I'm definitely not a scouser. <laughs> we need, we need photos. Ah, uh, yes, I do have. You photos. did promise for photos. Yeah, yeah, I do have them. Um, I'll send them. <laughs> I've got them on my phone. So we'll also welcome Commander Ray Tracer. How have you Hello. been, and what have you been up to for the last week? Well, I have been busy with uh, Distant Worlds too. Um, I, I've got some catching up to do. Uh, I'm, I'm still at Waypoint Two. Uh, just because of work things this week, I'm working midnights, so it doesn't leave me a lot of time to play. Um, so I've got some work to do. I have been to the uh, the destination before at Waypoint Three uh, to check out the um, the abandoned settlements that we're going to see, but uh, it'd be nice to to go there with a group. Um, I was exploring solo last time I was there, um, and uh, yeah, and then organizing the. Um, uh, the photo team or helping organize the photo team on uh, the uh, Fleetcom server. So, fairly busy. Excellent. Uh, Commander Nuts, right. <laughs> well, uh, in game, uh, I also have been doing Distant Worlds 2. Um, and I've been busy trying to uh, look for, I've determined to find life and find the little space critters in the game. Um, but I've also got a story to tell later of. Uh, um, let's say surviving waypoint two in open, <laughs> and uh, in real life, um, I've been getting used to um, a new opportunity to work from home. In fact, last week I had to get my uh, car repaired, and actually spent the whole morning working from Starbucks, which was interesting. So too many hot chocolates, I think. Oh, you major sugar rush going on there. Yeah, just a bit of a sugar rush. Finished off with a cheese and bacon uh, wrap. That was nice. <laughs> Commander Obsidian Ant, welcome to the show. <laughs> what you been up to? Yeah, I've been heading out to the first part of Waypoint 3, looking at a few... Uh, had a really nice climb up one of the mountain ranges uh, in the first area there. I don't know if you've had a look at the itinerary yet, but I think it's something like 25 kilometres high. That was mountain. brilliant, that. that was really spectacular. Very nice area. Got yeah. the SLB stuck coming down. <laughs> Blew it up. How can you go down as a cliff? 
Well, the ones I was at was basically there was a. It was, it was literally it was like a 70, 80 degree cliff. Yeah, that's it. Going got about, down. Got up to that point, and then I started slipping back, and I got wedged in a little hole. And I spent about twenty minutes getting out, and then kind of getting a lift down on the back of someone's uh, crate phantom. And but a bunch of other people popped their SRVs. I think about three or four of them. Unfortunately, not too easy to replace out there. Um, I've been as usual. Do a, like to do a little bit of Warhammer here and there. Oh, is that the the genuine tabletop, or is it the, or is it one of the various games that are coming out? Proper Games Workshop, Warhammer. Oh, excellent! Yeah. Which which is your particular favourites? Uh, are you the Space Marines or you're an Orc boy? Like the Space Marines, also like uh, Mechanicus. Ah, cool. Oh, uh, I said the wrong thing. No, <laughs> you? no, you like no. I, I'm, I'm afraid to say I haven't played 40k in in so many years, uh, and the main reason I stopped is because I couldn't afford it. <laughs> Super expensive. They've just been putting the prices up as well. I think this 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 month of February the prices are going up, like twenty percent increase on some of the box sets. So, ow, it's already expensive enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was bad enough. I'm upgrade my X-wing set, but never mind. Let's leave. Let's <laughs> leave it. Quick, interesting fact on uh, Games Workshop. They're one of the most uh, profitable com- uh, British companies now because uh, just in terms of. Um, uh, just in terms of like earnings growth, um, based on the resurgence of tabletop um, tabletop gaming popularity. Um, so, of all the high street chains that are going out of business, Games Workshop are completely bucking the trend because um, apparently Warhammer has had a massive renaissance. They were one of the best performing companies in the country, weren't they, in terms of stock last year? Yeah, FTSE was it FTSE one hundred? I think one of them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Interesting. It, it amazed me because um, I, I remember them sort of 10 years ago and it was all closing stores and stuff. Yeah, I think they got a new CEO at one point, about 2013, and he kind of changed everything, the way they were, they approached the, the distribution of their models. Ah, they did a lot, a lot of uh, start collecting type sets where they put various models in a box together at a lower price. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Anyway, sorry, just thought I'd chip in. <laughs> As you do. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, moving on from Board Game Monthly, um, <laughs> and, and surprisingly enough, um, uh, personally, I'd be one of the few people that stayed in the bubble. Uh, at the moment, I've been helping um, uh, Anti Xenu Initiative uh, in. It was HIP 21167, which we've managed to save from their incursion. I think um, our next target is Kekneck, which <laughs> really sounds dodgy to me. But um, that's that's the next uh, incursion that we're, that uh, is going to be targeted. Um, apart from that, let's see, back in hospital again. But getting better. I'm, I'm getting on stronger drugs, unfortunately. But uh, yeah. So moving on from uh, what we've been doing, um, we've had a, a little bit of news this week. Um, obviously, Frontier has been celebrating their 25th anniversary. And one of the things that they did release is a trailer um on youtube to celebrate that so just quickly um did anybody watch this and uh what did they think 
Yeah, I watched it. It was, it was nice. It was exciting. It was, it was nice seeing some of the older games, to be honest. Um, and I did love the friendship drive charging spiel that came out in, in the in the middle of it. it was, yeah, yeah it, was, it was a nice, fun trailer. Do you yeah, think? Go on, Richard. Yeah. Do you was you? I'm just wondering what people's expectations were for Frontiers Twenty Fifth. It's a big milestone for a company, really, especially an independent games company. I'm just sort of wondering what people did the celebrations match what you thought it would be, or do you think they should have done more, or what do you think they, uh, or do you think they hit the mark? Uh, personally, on, on my point of view, I was actually expecting some kind of announcement, especially regarding Elite, and nothing has happened. So I guess we'll touch on that later. Apart from that, I was just there thinking, yeah, um, it seemed, I think most of the celebrations, or if they were, they did seem to be internal. We saw a lot of photographs and, and uh, for the for the internal uh, of the of of the staff and having a good time and uh, presentation. But obviously, that was just for the people at Frontier. I don't think they've done much seemed, really. Uh, seemed far, uh, fairly uh, subdued, uh, mm. at least outwardly. I did see all the yeah I did see the images from from internal from the uh, just among the company but not a whole lot publicly uh, you know so I'm not sure I expected yeah. I th- I think I expected a bit more it just seemed subdued for what is a like you said a fairly big milestone for a for an independent games company it doesn't happen very often that the you last that long uh, in a in a company like that or in a um, a business like that so no. Um, anybody else? Maybe they're being quiet because they're about to sell out. I was kind of um, expecting a lot more as well. I think in, in a lot of ways, is Frontier had a kind of missed the boat here, a bit of a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. It seems that January in the games industry is becoming the time where uh, companies announce their roadmap. Uh, with uh, Warframe have done it, uh, Digital Extremes, I think... Uh, Dual Universe have done it. There's, there's a bunch of other games, even you know, big, big and small games. Even mm. little games like, uh, I say little, they sold a lot of copy, uh, copies, but smaller games like. Um, so you know, it's, it's a January, the beginning of the year, the perfect opportunity where a lot of companies are actually releasing a roadmap for the year. Mm. Yeah, and well, I saw the, it. Uh, to a twentieth, twenty-fifth anniversary celebration. So it's, it's, it's would it have been a good time to have released something like that. It seemed to me. Yeah, when I first saw uh, it was going to be the 25th um, anniversary, this is some months ago, I kind of thought, wouldn't it have been a great time to have a Frontier Expo? You know, you have the real celebration of the 25th, you have the Expo, and you then release the roadmap for Elite, and then you announce what your next franchise is going to be, all kind of in sync for the 25th. And that, for me, would have been, you know, a perfect marketing opportunity with it, with something like that. And I don't know. Yeah. Um, ben? I was just going to say that it's very typical of David Braben, to be honest, that he always just plays things quiet. There's those, the Frontier have always said what they say, and then they never really go on from there. You know, they don't, they'll, they'll announce things when they're ready to announce them. They don't go and work to some third-party timetable. Everything's always just, we'll do it when we, we do it when we do it and not worry about the rest. 
I kind of think yeah. the, the downside there, if you don't mind me. Yeah, go in. I, I was report, re- kind of kind of responding down, to you downside. anyway, Ant. Downside there, potentially. I think Frontier are on a, a really good high at the moment with Elite after the arrival of Chapter 4. Um, I mean, generally, it's had a really good reception all around. A lot of people are liking it. A lot of people have come back. There's a lot of new players out there. And I know people generally don't like uh, using Steam charts as a, as a measure for where the game is, but it's still a good indicator of trends. And I know in December, that was the highest uh, concurrent average, monthly average. Yeah, it was. So yes, they're really on a high at the increase. moment. And mm-hmm. traditionally, over, over the years, Elite's kind of suffered with the thing of gonna be next uh, let's fix this let's fix that and with chapter four they've kind of overcome a lot of that and it'd be a shame to see it slide backwards because it starts losing momentum yeah no i definitely it's agree with you there. It's... a roadmap now would keep even if it's something just just a few lines here and a few lines there don't have to be fully so, revealing just, so just a bit like, the, a basic like the bullet points that we saw at frontier expo you mean exactly just a basic outline yeah. I think at the moment it seems all right, but I think sooner or later we start hearing those voices again with uh, players. So what's next? Oh, you always see that, don't you? I mean, we're seeing it already on... Oh, we're coming to it in a second, but Ghost Giraffe's stream and every other stream that is ever done, it's always like... You know, they're very obviously working to stuff, working with other streamers, and then you get people pissing and moaning, saying, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, although this got not getting into the main topic just yet. Um, Frontier have said that uh, if we rack up 250 million light years as a, you know, everyone, then there will be a unlocked uh, Cobra Mark III paint job. And we all need to get jumping between uh, the 24th and 31st of January. To me, 250 million light years seems quite a long way, but I don't think it's an arbitrary number. They've just kind of made up. No. It's not. Have you you've got have you got the the stats to hand, Ant? Because um, I think I know a couple of days ago we'd basically done just over half of it with just under half of the time. And yeah, 150 were... million, I think it was as of oh, yesterday. Well. 156 million or something like that. Something like yesterday. that. And then yeah. people were basically forecasting if we continued on at that rate, we'd be we'd beat the 250 million with about 10% to spare. With the amount of people that are out uh, jumping on, on uh, distant worlds right now, I'm not surprised, actually. It does seem like a lot when you first look at it, though. And uh, I think I was... Uh, I, think I, I think I misread it initially, and I was like, if one commander jumps that far? Like, oh, that's, a, that's, a long, that's a long way. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they chose the figure to seem big, but was easily achievable. You know, like um, you mu- you must be this tall to ride the ride, and the, the and, and the ruler is about sort of a meter high or something like yeah. that. You know, it's we're going to uh, give this to you anyway, but uh, here's here's a hurdle to jump over to get it. <laughs> I don't want to say easy to achieve, but definitely within the realms. And I'm sure Frontier can fudge it, even if it isn't. Not that they would ever do that. Are you implying they would fix the result of something, Ben? Never. No. But yeah. Are you saying that? I think, yeah, there's a, I think what's changed in the last sort of uh, year of Elite is, is there's a lot more to engage people out there. So 
for instance, just exploring alone, it's not just a case of finding different planets, what, what ring systems are like, which is what I was doing tonight. Um, it's the fact that you don't know whether there's going to be some sort of life form lurking on the planet's surface. There's, there's more to do to engage people. So I think the exploration is only going to accelerate, similar to uh, things like the mining changes. You know, because one of the, um, I used to despise mining in the game uh, because it was so dull. But now I'm a changed person, you know, and they've, they've added these sort of quality improvements to the game, which they promised, I suppose. Um, so targets like that are probably going to be far more achievable. Yeah, I was just thinking, actually, is with the with the total 250 million light year travel, does that include multi-crew? Because if Ben multi-crews with me... Multiply. I, if Ben multi-crews with me... And I do a thousand light years. Does that mean Ben does a thousand light years as well? Because he's been multi-crewing with me, or does he have to jump himself? Uh, that's a good question. I doubt it's going to include you jumping, and it's only my stuff. I suspect, but I don't know. Oh, one worrying thing though is: does it? Is it only? Do you have to hand in the data for it for it to count, or is it actually honest to god jumps? I think it's jumps because if you look at your stats in the codex, it gives you a total distance travelled. So what I would do is I'd take a snapshot of people's stats on the 24th and then a snapshot on the 31st and just add the difference up. Yeah, they'd be able to pick yeah. that up from the logs, for sure. Or the journal, should say. But, yeah. So uh, what about the choice of the Cobra Mark III for a skin? Do you think that's... Uh, do you think you should have given it to a crate skin or something a bit more... Uh, useful it has to be a cobra come on i mean it's the it's the original ship if they didn't give it to the cobra then you, you're missing a thing again yeah definitely a symbolic thing um it's just something that everyone would have access to and uh i guess you didn't want to limit it to to people that are that are able to afford the more expensive ships and plus as ben was saying the uh just yeah for uh nostalgia's sake Maybe we yeah. just need uh, more reason to use the Cobra. <laughs> That's why we don't use the small ships, do we? Because there's nothing to use them for. Well, it does seem to be that you're giving a paint job for a Ford Cortina because it's kind of that old. <laughs> <laughs> but, anyway, I, I, we haven't seen it yet, have we? I don't think it's been shown a picture of what it was like. No, no. Oh, yeah. Was, if you can imagine the... I just looked in chat. Can you imagine if it was a paint skin for the Cobra Mark IV? <laughs> We'd just be trolling us then. Uh, no, the Asp Scout. <laughs> there you go. If I was stuck there, I would definitely do that. <laughs> if I remember correctly, isn't Sally um, doing Distant World 2 in a Cobra? I quite a few people, know. I think, doing that. Yeah, I've got a feeling she is. Um, I know, certainly looking at her space porn um, pictures on Twitter. That looks like a, she's in a cobra. There are a few cobras mm. out there for sure. Yeah, there's some, there's some Mark Fours even. You mean the pink wafer? I think Sally's cobra is called the pink wafer or something. <laughs> it might well be. <laughs> she said it earlier. I can't remember now. And uh, moving swiftly on, we also had a patch last week, didn't we? Update three point three zero three. Anything stand out in the patch notes for people? Uh, BGS fixes might have done something, maybe, but probably not. Yeah, I don't think the BGS. Uh, the, the one of the there's a faction that I've been playing with, and um, 
we triggered a war. No, we triggered, triggered an election with another faction and uh, ran our little socks off doing election missions and then finished the election to see the other faction rocket uh, ahead of us. So, um, And it turns out that the, there is a bug in which uh, asset transfer events, the um, the missions that you do, the special missions to win the elections, actually count to, towards the other the other factions oh. results <laughs> so like so we had about 12 people all just like working diligently for the other side <laughs> oh, do you think someone got a knot in the wrong place on the on an if statement on yeah, that one? yeah 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 oh, sure. <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> uh well personally i thought there was two good fixes in there which was one that stations damaged by thargod incursions now can be repaired uh, and the other one is that the um, the no mass locks between human ships that was a biggie that needed to get fixed. Yes, I heard about that issue. Um, I thought that was a feature. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, um, if it had been a feature, then you'd be able to jump away with the NPC ships. But the NPC ships were locking you, but the human ships weren't. So there was a, f- a few people who were not happy about that. But I don't think most people actually cared because of the people who were complaining about it if you know I what i mean i can't imagine who mm, i wonder so um yeah apart from that it, yeah it seems to be a, a a simple dot dot fix if you see what i mean uh where some of the high priority bugs are being worked on and Paige and will who were on the uh, monday night stream were discussing these bug fixes and they said effectively that yeah they work in these things on uh on a priority basis which means that effectively game breaking bugs always go to the top of the list so um and those do seem to be uh, uh, worked on first so everybody else when you have little um well no i know they're not little but they're gameplay bugs which get in the way um they're they're pushed down the priority uh the priority stream until basically all the crash to desktops have been fixed and apparently that seems to be something they've been uh concerned with which is true for tonight because i'm afraid to report i can't play the game because i'm i'm crashing to desktop Excellent. Mm, yes. <laughs> so um, let's see. I've this brings us on I... to our usual session. Oh, hello. No, Great. I said the uh, ray tracer was. Uh... Oh hi. Yeah, th- this was this this wasn't specifically in the uh, in the the patch notes, but uh, I can tell you one thing. Although it was not necessarily a a game breaking bug, uh, but I know that a lot of people were experiencing the. Um, the discovery uh, scanner issue with the um, uh, looping um, asteroid discoveries. Oh yes, over yes. the past week. I know that was fixed. Uh, that was kind of a hot fix on on the server side, but uh, that was that was enough for me to uh, put the game down for uh, for a little while because all I'm doing is out is is going out exploring right now, and uh, I, it got really old really fast. <laughs> I'll say that. But I'm yeah. glad that that got fixed quickly. Yes, that, I mean that that came out um, with three point three three, and yes, that that was horrible. But yeah, I think they fixed it within twenty four hours. Yeah, it was it was a, a day or less than a day. It was yeah very quick. 
So. Yeah, still a lot of complaining on the forums, though. Oh, yeah. Natalie? Yeah. Uh, I think the only thing I didn't hear mentioned, or I may have missed it, was um, the random freezing bug seems to have gone, where the game would just freeze and hang. Mm, um, yes. The, yeah. the chat seems to still be a bit mad at times, The uh, but there was that issue where, you know, sometimes you could be playing the game for a space of 15 minutes and it would freeze for up to what you know usually it was about 20 seconds but it could be for a couple of minutes before the game would come back back to life and that seems to have been fixed so i would imagine that would have been though probably at the top of their priority list it definitely yeah. has smoothed out a bit I, I i haven't really noticed that um i I'm, i've been playing uh distant worlds on uh or i've been going on distant worlds on my xbox account and uh it was it was actually much worse on uh, i was finding on xbox than it was on pc and um for whatever reason it yeah it, it definitely has gotten a lot smoother since then it, they didn't specifically mention anything about it in the notes but it must have just been as a result of some of the other things being fixed i suppose yeah yeah sounds about right yeah well, um, well, moving on from the patch notes, um, we're obviously going to hit uh, the Distant Worlds 2 update, which uh, is why we've got a, a lot of people on at the moment. So um, obviously Distant Worlds 2 got um, their uh, mining CG, and not only did they do well at the mining CG, they smashed it, the, so much so that they had to uh, increase the number of tiers up to 11. <laughs> <laughs> cue, uh, cue spinal tap joke here. Yeah, it was turning it up to 11. <laughs> it was very financially rewarding, wasn't it? Because I think yes, I only did a few tons, um, but I got in the top 75%, which is hardly an effort at all, and got 15 million credits out of it. So, you know, not only did you get the money from selling the minerals, you got a quite healthy reward as well. So, yeah, it was well worth taking part. Absolutely. Now, also, the, the CG had the most ever people taking part in a mining CG full stop, which wow. was phenomenal. It's over 3,000 or something, wasn't it? I believe so, yeah. That's did, uh, impressive. Did you, did you take part, Matt and Obsidian? I didn't take part in the mining CG. I think I'd been all mined out, even though I do like new, uh, because I'd spent such a, I, I'd got taken a new commander to from a Sidewinder to a fully kitted out an engineered uh, crate in a week so i, I don't lock oh. that many engineers out I do, no more man so i did the co i did the combat community goal uh which wasn't as well supported um, not nearly at all no at all but i think it got the tier four or five um and i think i got in i think i did about four or five million combat bonds in that and it would have been nice to see more people in that but sometimes the community goals between combat and say protecting the traders seem so disjointed which is a shame. I wish there was a way that could be linked in some way so that one could influence the other so that you really had to feel like you're protecting the, the miners from, from the pirates who will be trying to steal their cargo. Yeah, I, I kind of see this one as an anomaly, uh, being that it was so far out of the, um, that it was outside of the bubble. Uh, a lot of people were not prepared for combat. They were just, you know, it was primar primarily explorers out there, right? I know in my case, I... I transferred my fair to lance out there, um, but expensive. it was, yeah, it was expensive. I wasn't, I obviously wasn't going to be making any money on it, but I wanted to participate in both of the, the community goals. So I spent, what was it? 63 million or so to, <laughs> to transfer the, uh, the, the FDL out there uh, and do the, 
and do the mission and and uh, I I ended up I ended up um, with the mining uh, CG and the combat CG about breaking even, which which is fine. I I didn't really I wasn't really doing it for the money. It was it was it was good that I uh, was taking part in the goal and and um, I, I met some really nice people uh, winging up with them. I, I up until this uh, distant worlds I. I I did a lot of most of the time I was playing by myself, um, and it was good to to have like a a group to join up with. So, yeah, did a bit of mining myself on the CG. Uh-huh. Also, like Nats, I did transfer a combat ship out there, but I ultimately didn't get at the time to use it. Unfortunately, it was only a little basic vulture because uh, I created a new account for Distant Worlds, so had a little bit of time left over before we departed so i put together a basic vulture and and to ship it out there so not too expensive but i haven't had the chance to use it yet and i might transfer it to the next station for the next community call excellent um now obviously uh we've got a link here for the distant worlds 2 newsletter number two um now i've i've only just seen this and uh, I must admit, I am quite impressed by uh, its its layout and its content. Um, obviously, we've got Commander Silverine here, who's who's got a little bit of experience in magazine publishing. Um, have you had a chance to look over this and see what you think? I haven't seen it yet. No, sadly. Is there a link on the show notes? I'll... Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes, and then you have a quick look and come back to us. <laughs> um, <laughs> They do. They, they do seem to have a, a, a lot of chunky content on this one. Um, as Ben Shan, have you had a chance to to go through the newsletter? Um, I will confess, I didn't even look at it this week. <laughs> okay, no, I no, did not, look at it. Not um, the Frontier newsletter. <laughs> no, Distant Worlds uh, newsletter. I I didn't. No, I I look at the Discord, so I just kind of didn't look at the newsletter because I've been reading the Discord. Yeah, um, I mean, one of the things that um, I do like in in the newsletter is that they've got well, obviously the photos section, the photo competition, but also the the hull seals. I thought I thought I hadn't heard of them. I mean, I just got yeah, my head the, under a rock. But the hull seals are a new thing for Distant Worlds too. Which yeah, obviously we've all got out. Well, not all, but. You can um, be flying out there with your your, your rat and you'll you do your limpet transfer. But a lot of people boop their ship and things like that. And being able to repair your hull is mm-hmm. really, really kind of handy too. See, so, I think they should grow up and just learn to accept the damage and not keep crying home to mum if a hull gets damaged. Yeah, but that, that's the whole point of being on a big expedition is that everybody's there to help themselves. And not play shenanigans. My shenanigans has been very well behaved. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so moving on from there. Um, now, what's this? They made the pr- Distant Worlds Two has made the print edition of the New Scientist magazine. It's uh, exactly what it says in the tin. Yeah, uh, is it is it a, a serious? It's in- new, it's, yes, it's the new scientist. You know, like the biggest, or I would argue, the biggest popular science magazine going. Yeah, it's, it's the science it's... magazine Sheldon would want to be mentioned in. 
that is big. Well, well, I think that that is actually uh, really. It really does seem to be catching a lot of people's imagination. This, I mean, you don't expect um, emails or Twitter responses from astronauts or or that many articles in Polygon, and now we've got this uh, appearing in New Scientist. Um, it does seem to be um, a, a shot in the arm for raising the game's profile. It definitely is. I mean, it's an it's an awesome thing. It's a um, I mean, the amount, but the amount of real science that is actually happening because of the scale of Distant Worlds Two is just well, I say real science, but real in-game science, I suppose you could say, is just phenomenal, and that's purely because there's like what thirteen, fourteen thousand people out in the black doing stuff, <laughs> uh, and you you just don't get a good enough sample size with much less and. They can, they can do so much that it's just it's, it's remarkable. Plus, obviously, Elite is great for its relatively realistic portrayal of the universe, or at least the galaxy. Um, so on the subject of staying with science, I mean, uh, there's something here by Ancestral Stars by Dr. Sarah Bozeman. Um, can someone explain to me about um, this... Is this this sailing amongst the stars? No, that's a different thing. The sailing amongst right. the stars is a absolutely fabulous article by Dr. Kai. Uh, it's also a great video that maybe Ventura can play in a couple of minutes if we've got time for it. Okay. But the the rare objects in the Milky Way is, or the ancestral stars stuff is by a proper elite dangerous commander who's also a doctor. And she's basically explaining that you've got all these stars that we think are kind of shit, to be honest. Yeah. Because, you know, that you don't, we don't care about them. You can't scoop them. They're a bit boring. And then you go off and see it's like it's sort of 10 million years old and it's going to live for another 20-odd million years. Um, oh, sorry, 20 billion. It's 10 billion years old and it's going to live for another 20 billion. And these things are history, man. And it's just—it's basically—it's—it's it's going into that kind of thing. All right. Um, so, Dianant, you said something about um, something about NASA playing elite on this one. Yeah, there was um, obviously a comment from or an email, I think, to Dr. Kai from Chris Hadfield, the mm-hmm. astronaut. Uh, <clears throat> congratulations on Distant Worlds Two. I think you kind of referenced that a moment ago. Mm-hmm. There's also a few posts on, I think, the Elite Dangerous subreddit a few years ago, where which were from uh, some NASA odds as well as some from ESA. Yeah, I, if and I remember from, rightly. Yeah, so they, I, they played Elite as well. If I remember rightly, it was the, the one of the guys that was doing an examination of Saturn's rings, and yeah, uh, I think he, right. yeah, he was comparing the scientific detail from uh, the Elite game in VR uh, to what, the, what they'd got back from the latest probes and was... I remember. Yeah, yeah. he actually said something about uh, he couldn't wait to get the solar permit because he didn't have a permit to the solar system because he wanted to go <laughs> and actually fly over Jupiter. Yeah. Uh, so, um, Nath, you've had a little bit, bit more ex- of an exciting time at uh, Waypoint 2. 
Uh, yes, 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 I have. I mean, I, I, I would love to hear what you guys think of, uh, you know, the idea that Feetcom um, has, has suggested people don't go into open play and, in, a, in essence, wants to control the distance world's experience. However, we can come on to that in a second. Um, what I decided to do was, um, I, when I streamed last Sunday, I did a live stream, um, I decided to sort of say, uh, well, I went to, def to defend the um, explorers and I didn't bring a combat ship as such. I was determined to design a ship that could do everything. So I've built a combat explorer. It's heavily shielded, it's heavily armed, it's very lightly armoured, but it can still jump 51 light years and it's insanely fast, so it can run away from those things. Um, and I think I got, when I went out into open, it was swarming. There were no defenders. It was swarming with basically, what, what, what for want of a better term, pirates, should we should call them, um, who were hell-bent on spoiling the party. But that's part of the game. Elite does have the word dangerous in the name, so it's meant to be dangerous out there. And I was quite surprised how was able, for the most part, to run absolute circles around them. I wasn't attacking them because I didn't stand a chance. Um, but what I was doing was running away from them very well. And I think at one point I was interdicted by three player ships and escaped. Um, and even the, I heard that even the PvP people themselves were commenting that she's only got one pip and shield. You know, how haven't you shot her ship yet? Um, so, should the exploit, what the cost was the question is, should people be, you know, should we be telling people not to go and open play or should we just let them make their own minds up? And, you know, it would have been nice, I think, to have maybe more people role playing the defense role. Um, and it's a very contentious subject because a lot of people just sort of say, oh, they're gankers, they shouldn't do it. Um, they shouldn't be allowed. It's, they're not allowed to do that in the game. And, you know, what are people's thoughts on that? Ray Tracer, have you got a thought on it? Yes. Um, as you were saying, Nat, uh, Natalie, it is um, a pretty contentious issue uh, whenever we bring it up. Um, I'm on the, um, I deal with a lot of the, the, the comments regarding this just being on the sort of um, uh, one of the helpers on on distant worlds there and it um, we I, I I'm personally of the opinion that we should just let it leave leave everyone up to uh, leave in, you make their own decision on whether to play in open um, but the thing is we get a lot of people coming to us who are fairly inexperienced at the game um, who are primarily explorers and things like that and then they 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 just they prefer to have a um a safer time of it and that's fine too so we we have the 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 um private group as 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 a way to um to keep people you know to keep them safe if they wish to be safe sort of thing um but uh you know it, it, we still do have a, a contingent of players that are um that are playing in open and and um they'll yeah, while they may not be destroying any of the um, uh, any of the, uh, the the pirates or or whoever these players are in open, uh, they're at least harassing them, similar to what you what you have said uh, <laughs> that you were doing out there, and 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 keeping them uh, keeping them occupied because, as you said, it is it is part of the game. Um, 
it, it may not be some people's preferred way to play and it always becomes a hot button issue whenever uh, the concept is brought up as you've said but um i think we we still do have sort of a defense defense wing but it's more of a role play thing now it it it, it is less of like an actual um mm -hmm. defense sort of a system yeah because there's the there is a there is um a, a link out there to um what they've called distant ganks <laughs> and uh you look at that and i was i was discussing this with some of the guys on on distant worlds too the other day and and they were saying that yeah they, they're claiming a lot of these these kills but they're not coming from the private group no they are coming from open yeah so, everything... mm. not to say that we've been completely uh free of of any sort of um uh, shenanigans, sorry uh, for the uh, pun there, Shan. But uh, in in the private group, but uh, any of the situations that have come up in the private group, and uh, I'm sure Obsidian Ant can speak to this as well, uh, were taken care of um, very quickly, and the situation was handled. Um, we've we've got a very hard line stance on on any sort of unauthorized uh, PVP within the Fleetcon private group. Uh, mm -hmm. And a good reporting system to make sure that um, nothing like that is going to is is going to be allowed to stand. Uh, we we obviously can't prevent absolutely everything from happening. There are a lot of people there, but we try and mitigate the uh, the risk essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's completely, okay, completely fair. Sorry, jumping in now. Just I think that's completely fair enough there. Um, Right. <laughs> no, you don't deal with that. The, the way you're dealing with those sort of things, I think, is is great, and I agree with the points. Open, anything goes, and in private, I think I'll agree with what uh, Phoenix was saying there that it's not really quite as large of an issue as some may be trying to make out it is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, inside yeah. the private groups, yeah. Yeah, Natalie, have you got a point? You wanna... Yeah, I just wanted to add one sort of small thing that I forgot to say was that. Kind of sort of challenge the explorers um, who were playing in open, because what what explorers get fixated on, I think, when they're designing their ships, which is why I went on this kind of adventure of like, can I design something that's a little bit more all round? Is though, and I've done it before. You put a two-way thruster in the minimum thruster you can get away with because it gives you point three of a light year extra jump range. Mm -hmm. And I worked out that on a medium-sized ship, that actually going from a, a lightweight thruster to quite heavy thruster on a grade five doesn't really make that much difference in your in your jump range, no. but it might make a difference between you running away like I did. And what I'm trying to say is, the people who are in open, who are building these expeditions, remember your ship's a lot lighter than mine is. It's not mm -hmm. going to carry any weapons. You can make an insanely fast ship, which will be better for landing on high G worlds, um, that can run away from these gankers, attackers, peers in open. And better protect yourself so from a point of view of like it's not all about weight saving on a ship design i think a lot of the designs i see is is oh we've got to put the smallest components in maybe think a little bit more then maybe you're not when you get interdicted by that harry potter you can run away from him like i did because my ship was faster ray tracer uh yes i i'm just gonna pipe in on on what uh, nat had to say there it, it definitely um I'm finding a lot of um, 
explorers that just kind of build their ships out of paper mache and uh and then expect to be uh fine if they go into open even in, and not even in open but just um we're, we've had a lot of issues with people um you know having unexpected encounters with planets and uh <laughs> and, and stars you know things like that and and their ships are just not built for uh for this uh for that kind of abuse and i used to build my ships that way uh but i've learned from experience just that you you're really not losing a whole lot in in jump range and nowadays uh, jump jump range to me is not uh the be all end all sort of thing and i'm i'm starting to see that that um thought um li line of thought come around for more people that um you can sacrifice a bit of jump range to have some survivability and uh and a bit more quality of life as well uh so you're not min maxing your your ship and and creating it out of out of um you know chewing gum essentially so right yes um obsidian i think there's a factor as well of um time and not a lot of players well, a lot of players obviously do have plenty of time to play but there's also a subset of players who may only get a few hours a week to play if they're lucky so gaining a couple of light years That's to them true. that might be significant i i can't i count myself yeah, among you, those. sure although when yeah. you calculate it as well you can look at the fact as well that if you're doing a thousand light years and you're only gaining by having rubbish rubbish thrusters right yeah. you maybe one or two jumps so it doesn't save That's you a good. huge amount of time but i think so, shan went off and worked it out yeah yeah and it was like you know the difference between ship a and ship b over the course of like i think it was, it was something stupid wasn't it shan that over it the was, course of yeah. all the way over to to bagel point it was like two jumps that were ridic something ridiculous wasn't it yeah i was optimizing my um crate phantom build for distant worlds 2 and my safe build had was two light years or 2.3 light years i think it was less range than my stripped out build and over twenty thousand light years um there was three jumps difference in it with the extra two light years so i mean obviously if it's 10 light years that's a significant difference but over one or two light years difference it makes no difference there's no odds pretty much especially when you're talking jump ranges in the 60 light years i mean if you're if you're 32 to 34 light years near Beagle Point, it does make a difference because you need that minimum distance to get across the gaps. But 65 versus 67, negligible. Right, exactly. Um, okay, so what we'll do now is for those guys that are in the Twitch, we're going to play the, uh, the video from Dr. Kai, if that's okay. Hello, humans. I want to make a bold claim in this video and then back it up. The claim is that the universe is big. Okay, so that's not so bold. Any young school kid with a brain can tell you that. But if they've got a particularly good brain, they will probably tell you that the universe is big to us. It's relatively big. If we were as big as a galaxy, say, then the universe would be smaller. If we were big enough ourselves, then the universe could even be described as being small. I'm going to ignore the question about whether the universe is infinite right now and assume that it isn't. My answer to this brainy school kid is that they're very smart and thinking about these big ideas is a great thing to do and they should keep it up. But I've got something amazing to tell them. The universe is big and not just to us, but in any meaningful absolute sense. 
I'm making a claim that the universe is big with a capital B, and here's why. Something that has made the press recently is a NASA video proving how crushingly slow the speed of light is. To get even to the nearest stars takes years. To get to the nearest galaxies will take thousands or even millions of years, and for the physics buffs, I am ignoring relativistic effects, as they aren't relevant to the point here. So imagine you're a giant, your head is as big as the distance between the solar system and the nearest star, four light years. If you were to take a few steps forward, you'd be travelling through the stars like this. Note that even at this size, as demonstrated in my Learning to Fly series, the galaxy is still massive. It would still take many hours to walk, or without a flaw I guess the word would be swim, to the other side. But wait, something's not right here, didn't we say that the speed of light is crushingly slow, especially to giant you? To simply nod in agreement with me would take a couple of years. Clearly, being this big is going to be immensely boring. Even you can't move faster than the speed of light, so that swimming lap to the other side of the galaxy is going to take you over 100,000 years. Even just waving to a friend floating around in the Omega Nebula would take you a decade or two. Alright, well, again, our brilliant school kid can tell you that if you were this big, you'd experience time at a different rate. Your thoughts would be slowed down. The nerves in your brain can only send signals at the speed of light, too. You'd experience time that's natural for you, and indeed crossing the galaxy, while it may take 100,000 years from our point of view, from your point of view it would be like only a few hours. So let's use this trick and keep going. Now your head is the size of a galaxy. You can swim around the local cluster of galaxies without any problems. Time is going at a crazy rate for you. A simple calculation tells me that each second for you would have to be millions of years for us down on human scale. It takes 2 million years to get to the nearest big galaxy Andromeda at the speed of light, so Giant you has to get there, and when you are this big it will feel like a minute or so. To avoid horrible relativistic effects like time dilation, Doppler effects, length contraction and whatnot, we can't just make it so you're travelling at the speed of light. The speed of light still has to be much faster than you can actually travel, so it really does need to be millions of years passing for each second you experience for this to work. Okay fine, but we can still keep going. We can still make ourselves so big that the universe feels small. Let's make it so that our head is as big as 100 million light years. Now the universe really does feel small. Galaxies become mere dust motes that wash past your eyes. To swim from one end of the visible universe to the other at this size would take a few minutes from your point of view. And even the estimated size of the entire universe itself becomes something you can probably see in a day or so. The universe is still pretty big, but we're getting there. But this is where the problem comes in. In order to avoid the relativistic effects, time would have to be passing at a crazy rate for you. Hundreds of billions of years would pass for every second you experience. You'd never see any bright galaxies. They would all fizzle away into dim collections of cold stars before you could blink. Those cold stars would die in under a minute and you'd be left swimming in a quickly expanding dark universe filled with dead stars. The universe would cease to be a universe in any meaningful sense at this size. All stars would degenerate or fall into black holes in your lifetime. Shall we make ourselves bigger? So big that the universe is small? Is there any point? If time were to slow down further still, we'd be looking at the heat death or big rip of the universe happening easily in the lifetime of anything large enough to perceive the universe as being truly small. Such a being itself wouldn't be able to exist. Its protons would decay so fast it would degenerate, it would disintegrate before it's lived any kind of meaningful life. If it was made of energy, it would expand and fizzle away. There is no way any kind of conscious being capable of making a determination of something as meaningful as big or small can exist in any meaningful way in this universe. The universe is big. The universe is massive. It is way bigger, scales upon scales of comprehension bigger than we can ever dream of understanding. And this makes me happy. It's absolutely big. 
big with a capital B. And I wouldn't want to live in any other kind of universe. So long, humans. Well, um, <laughs> that was uplifting. <laughs> uh, you are I, here, I just, Colin. Yeah, it just feels like I've been through the total perspective vortex, to be honest. And if you don't know what the total perspective vortex is, shame on you. So, um, Commander Ray Tracer, we have uh, some links from you about the uh, the Waypoint Gallery. Do you want to quickly go through these uh, Distant World 2 photo contests? Yes. Uh, okay, so what's going on is is every single um, week of, the, uh, of, of Distant Worlds, for every Waypoint, we are going to have a uh, photo contest, uh, like a screenshot. Uh, sort of contest, and it's related to the current waypoint uh, that we're that we're on. We're currently on waypoint three, and um, so how it works is um, every every week they're going to have a channel uh, within Fleetcom named for that uh, current waypoint contest, and uh, submissions can be made there uh, from Sunday at noon uh, in game. To uh, to Friday at 8 p.m. Uh, in game, and uh, at, at which time, at the end of the week, uh, the community is allowed to to then vote on which uh, they they like the most, just which one one picture um, or photo from the from the group uh, from Friday at 8 p.m. until Sunday at noon. Uh, the voting is open. There'll be uh, from that from those the um, There'll be a series of winners selected by uh, the the photo team, including myself. We choose our favorite uh, favorite three based on um, uh, photographic quality, subject, technique, and and the sort of wow factor uh, from some of these from from these photos, as well as the most upvoted uh, submission. So the the most popular uh, community choice will also be selected uh, among those four. <clears throat> Dr. Kai is usually the one that does this. Uh, a winner will be picked and um, and gifted a prize. Uh, now, the prizes vary uh, from week to week, but it's it's all Frontier Store stuff, um, in-game uh, sort of goodies, paint packs, and things like that. Um, and then the um, and then the final four images uh, and they're you know attributed to which command to their their appropriate commanders. Will be featured in the weekly newsletter, as you've as you've posted in the in the show notes there, and then all the weekly submissions. So every everything whether it was picked for uh, for a win as a winner or not, uh, every single photo will be that was submitted will be gathered and put into that Waypoints album on uh, uh, Imgur or IMGUR. Um, so uh, so we're gonna have a a big collection of the best photos from the entire trip. Uh, by the time we get through everything, we're going to have a massive album. But uh, so the the there are a few uh, conditions to it. Uh, only uh, per commander, there's there's two submissions allowed per week. Mm-hmm. Uh, any extra, we will decide. Like we'll we'll speak with the commander um, to see if they would prefer to keep the the first two or the last two that they put in there. But we'll only allow two of them. The others will not be considered. Uh, only PNG or JPEG uh, file formats. No bitmaps because uh, Discord doesn't like them. <laughs> and uh, then uh, the photo has to be able to be embedded, so under five megabytes uh, of size, maximum 4K resolution, 
and you know decent quality basically um and we'd like the the images to be stock or or you know lightly edited for contrast or, or color balance things like that or if they need to be cropped that kind of thing so that's the basic idea um we have that contest and also uh there's a um a partnership going on with um with gal photo that i'm also uh part of Galphoto will be running weekly contests as well. Uh, prizes, we haven't really determined exactly what we're going to do for all of those yet, but uh, there is also um, photo mentoring uh, available both on Fleetcom and on Galphoto itself. If you're looking to find out how to take take better images, take better shots, um, you know, work on composition, things like that, uh, lighting and and whatever else, uh, we have a series of um, of mentors available to uh, uh, to help you out with that. So uh, feel free to come by and and post some photos. It's open to everyone who's on who's in the Fleetcom server, whether you're uh, uh, whether you're officially on the roster for Distant Worlds or not. If you're in there and you have photos from the from your trip, then feel free to share them. Excellent. Um, well, one. Uh, well, what we'll do now is we'll quickly move on to newsletter two hundred and sixty. Um, obviously, there's been an awful lot of coverage in in this newsletter about Distance World Two, um, but one of the other things that we did notice was the, they covered the Ghost Giraffe Stream. Did anybody see this this basic bunch of madness that happened last Thursday? Yeah, I saw it and. Go, go, Ant. I was just asking if you could let us know what, what happened. I, did, I didn't see that. I didn't get a chance to catch it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, I think madness is about the right way I'd describe it as well. So Ghost Giraffe went off and basically took Will on a heist that overran a little bit. Uh, I have to admit, I wound up having to stop halfway through because I hadn't made any tea or anything like that yet. <laughs> uh, it was just go. It was like okay, I'm enjoying this, but I have to go and do stuff as well. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun. I just kept dipping in and out, as it were. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah, effectively, Will was taken on, on a heist to try and uh, replicate what had been happened in uh, one of Ghost Giraffe's um, YouTube videos, where they were showing uh, how to to basically steal for free uh, in one of these. Um, uh, during a pirate attack, um, I, I don't think Will managed to do <laughs> very well. But then again, when you are with a ghost giraffe stream, things do get a bit weird, to put it an understatement. Um, and it does beg the question, what did the giraffe die of and how horrible must it have been for it to be turned into a ghost? Um, the other thing that they covered was um, we have new bobbleheads, which basically answers the question that um, Ben had last week. We have one of them being um, the Cobra wireframe and also the Jameson Cobra. Now, uh, this is just a, a little uh, little nitpick from me. I always thought that the Jameson Cobra was just an older version of the Cobra, not the Cobra Mark One that seems to be on the store. No, it's it wasn't like Cobra Mark III because it had the it had a single central um, hard point, doesn't it? The Jameson one. It does, yes. It's people with 
done various size calculations and it's got a single large hard point rather than the two um, mediums that it has currently. So yeah, it's a subtly different Cobra. Right. So that is effectively the Cobra Mark One in the game. Effectively, yes. <laughs> you know, it would be awesome, actually. I would, I would, I would like to see this in game having a proper Cobra Mark One in game with a side gunners and rear gunners. Oh, I want you mean, that. What I, you mean, I like want the old Cobra Mark Three in yeah. the original game. Yeah. Give me the old Cobra Mark III in the original game. Let me flick to my rear gun, but still be flying my my ship like normal. Yeah, it was and a bit make us cope with it. Well, it was great. Well, it's a bit cheap because on the 16-bit versions of Elite, the Atari ST and the Amiga versions, you didn't really need to dogfight. You just used to fly away from your target, switch to the rear gun, and just kind of poke it with the laser at the back. Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, what did you think to those the wire-free bobbleheads? Is that what you wanted? That is what I wanted, and I'm actually I'm personally suffering a bit of buyer's remorse because really? it looks great, but I've now got this thing on my dashboard that is brighter than everything else on the dashboard because it's a white it's it's a white hologram. Mm-hmm. It's moving. And it wobbles. So what does your eye do when it sees something bright and moving? Oh dear, you're getting a bit distracted, are you? Oh, there's like, yeah, I just, I, just, I, keep, I keep looking at it and it's like, I don't want to be looking at that. I want to be looking at the thing over there that's shooting at me. <laughs> Have you got to look at that oh, for the next 60,000 light years then? Oh, thankfully not that bad because I think there's a... Oh... There's actually there's a there's a space station that's about a thousand light years away from where we are, and I think we'll be going we'll be going to the space station in another couple of uh, soon enough I suspect. So I'm, I'm yeah, not really worrying. This, the CG one isn't there. Well, yes. yeah, we've got that. Yeah, there will be that one. Seven. That's not till uh, week seven, yeah. But uh, um, I guess there were a couple there were a couple on the way to the waypoint. But you said you're already at the waypoint, right? Yeah, I'm at the waypoint. I know I could have gone okay. to. Um, the one at Eagle Eagle Base or whatever Eagle, Eagle's Nest or whatever it is. Eagle's Landing and uh, Rohini was the other one. Yeah, um, Rohini was uh, Rohini was a lovely love system actually. I really like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right there, Colin. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Okay. Um, Commander Ventura just asked, "Does this make Will the new Galactic Intern?" Uh, <laughs> personally, I, I think um, Will is is Will because I think Ed's the real Galactic Intern. <laughs> Even after all this time, you'll never get rid of that little uh, that little um, moniker. So, uh, could we go for a quick advert break? On the far side of the bubble, on the dark side of an airless moon, on the slightly more interesting side of a ravine, there lived the engineer. The engineer can make your lasers more powerful. Your engines speedier. And your gas tank really, really big. 
what do you want? I want fish. Wait, what? That's right, fish! Carp, char, chub, jack, loach, crabby, monkabate, prickleback, sole, snook, snake, tang, wahoo, wabagong, banjo, banga, snook, sole, shad, scat, come on by with the long nose cat. Noodlefish, nibblefish, northern squaw, hooma, hooma, nuka, nuka, wapa, wapa. What about Swedish fish? Why the hell not? Thanks, mister. You're in the wrong commercial. Well, shit. Fish, because, you know, space. And welcome back. Uh, thanks, thanks to all those people who enjoy the fish advert. We do get quite a lot of uh, requests for it. But um, on our main subject for this evening, um, well, with everything that's going on with Distant Worlds Two and uh, and all the exploration mechanics, there has been one big elephant in the room, and that is what's happening next. Because at this point. Um, last year, we had a, a, a an idea, thanks to the expo, that the whole thing was um, was was going to. We had an idea of what the plan was going to be. This time, we're kind of left in the dark, apart from one um, message from Zach Antonacci mid-August saying that something big has been greenlit. So we're going to hit our usual lay radio rampant speculation buzzer. Uh, and what we'd like to do is um, we'll go around everybody in who's, who's, um, who's, a, who's a guest and ask you three questions. What do you think the, the, uh, uh, the next update's going to be? When do you think they'll announce it? And when would you expect it to be released? So using the random number generator, I will start with Commander Shan. I thought you said we were doing guests first, but okay. So do not do not judge the, the random number generator, because I think Obsidian Ants just come up next. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Is this like the latest radio equivalent of a spin the bottle? Um, anyway, I'm kind of in two two minds for this because Frontier have always said they've got in excess of 100 people working on the game. Now, yes, I know that includes graphics artists and sound and all the rest of it. But if it's a minor update, then what have they been doing? Because we also know that um, Frontier, they operate several teams in Elite. Don't they? they have like a, a current version team they have whatever's coming next patch team and then they have the next big set team so basically they that they have a um they have that so my gut feel is they are keeping their cards close to their chest because they are um about to reveal something big that they've been working on for a while um when it'll be revealed, I would expect it to be around um, EGX time in the summer. That's when right. I would. I mean, I'm kind of hoping they do the big reveal at Lave Radio because at Lavecom, because hey, wouldn't that be good? But <laughs> I, I, I think we'll get smaller releases, probably the mission packs that we've talked about before. Yeah, uh, before summer, and then they'll announce whatever it's going to be summer for a Christmas 2019 release because it's Horizon's been, been like four or five years ago by then. Oh, 
<laughs> that's that's making me feel old. <laughs> so Obsidian, Ant, um, what's what do you reckon then? Some uh, of the rampant speculation. Yeah, complete speculation. I'd love to do that. And um, just before I touch on that, and the idea of a, a roadmap again, because obviously we're all sitting here speculating because we've got absolutely no clue what's coming next, which isn't a bad thing, but it depends on how long that kind of goes on for. I think this is probably one of the only periods development cycle where we've got no clue of what's coming next. And correct me if I'm wrong on that, but we briefly had this uh, just before FX17. Uh, yeah. 2.4 was coming out, didn't we? And then after that, we didn't have anything, any information. Then FX17 came along and they gave us a roadmap for beyond. Kind of in the position now where we don't know anything. And like I touched on earlier, there's a bunch of companies already which have gone out and given really, really good roadmaps. I think a really good example of one of them is Little Extremes with Warframe. They've kind of gone yep. into quite a bit of detail on on what's coming, but without going too in-depth. So they've not committed themselves, which I think is kind of the ideal way of doing things. They did, I guess, in in FX17. But there's also uh, Egosoft have done it with X4, uh, Helion, Rocket League as well. I think they do uh, quarterly roadmaps, which is not a bad idea. That kind of leaves us where we are now, speculating, which, which is nice because we get to talk. But I think it's also... It could open up a can of worms at some point, especially on forums and Reddit and places like that, which would be a shame because good momentum going with the player base at the moment. Yeah. Um, Silverine, you what, want to what, jump in there? What, just, what, do you, just... what do you think about the roadmap? Just totally agree on the roadmap mm -hmm. point. Um, the elite is... Uh... Frontier have always pursued this don't talk about anything until it's absolutely basically until it's you know in the final polishing stages um, and um, and they have they, they've consistently failed to understand where the criticisms on their communication come from I remember Ed Lewis tweeting something on he said something on Twitter like I, I, you know along the lines of I don't understand why people say we don't communicate and so many people pointed out that they're brilliant at communicating what they are, what is abs what is you know piled up by the door about to ship, but they are absolutely terrible at communicating anything beyond that. And the only and the, the main reason, you know, if, if their if their thinking was that they just want to be more cagey than other companies, that's fine. But the the, the real annoyance for long term elite fans is the um, is the fact that it's such a marked departure from the tone in the Kickstarter period. So in 2012, 2014, sorry, 13 and 14, you know, all the developers were as keen as mustard to talk about the long-term future of the game and the, and the, and the long-term scope of it. Um, you know, videos and posts about, about hunting dinosaurs on, on atmospheric planets and, and sneaking into other people's ships on foot and stealing their cargo and doing EVAs and all that sort of thing. Um, and the, the change of tone between that and how dare you even ask about the future is just it, it's such a it's such a sea change and i think that is i think that contrast is what pisses people off 
Um, right. The, it would take the sting out of a lot of people's criticisms if they just did a, a biannual, you know, every six months. This is where we're looking for the next 24 months. No, no ETAs, no guarantees. So, Obsidian, um, if you were going to um, to place your smart money, what would you think the next big update is going to be? Right, well, I kind of think there's three obvious candidates. One of them is going to be uh, atmospheric planets. The other would be yep. gas giants, be space legs. Now, mm. if you'd asked me, well, any time and afterwards when Horizons was announced, Horizons come about a year after uh, the launch of the main game. Yep. So I would have expected another expansion a year later. Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd still kind of imagine that atmospheric planets would be on the cards next but it's been such a, a long time now that i'd imagine any, anything's possible now i wouldn't have thought at one point that space legs would be that close that it would be a few years off but we are now a few years off so i, I guess it could be any of those but they, they would be my bet and who knows maybe it'll be all three together mm. oh no wouldn't that be a thing um mm. natalie We'll, we'll just quickly um, go through and I'll ask you the same three questions. Mm -hmm. Fire <laughs> so, away. Yeah. What, when do you think they'll announce it and when do you think they'll release it? Um, well, I think a lot of people have talked about Menton they've got and as much as you, my gut instinct thinks they probably will wait until um, later in the year, like EGX, to announce it. Um, that's a long time to wait with no information. And in fact, it, it creates more rampant speculation. So there's a little bit of me thinks that they might release about what their, the, the roadmap we've talked about. And I think Obsidian was talking about the roadmap and Helion is a good example uh, of having a roadmap. Yet at the same time, Helion is the perfect example of a game that progresses hideously slowly, despite having a roadmap. Um, so they can help. Um, but there again, Star Citizen has a roadmap too. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking they'll go earlier, quarter two. Um, quarter two. Yeah, sort of Aprilish time. I think I think they've got to, really, uh, because people will be like, "But what's happening? We're a quarter of the way into the year, third of the way into the year. We we don't know what's happening. We're already. If you think about past experiences with Frontier." We kind of had an inkling around about Christmas time, um, January time, what was happening. Yes. Now we don't. And it's it's got pushed back and pushed back. And now they're being far more coy about what they're actually doing. So mm. April. Is you reckon your gut feeling on this one is April. Um, Commander Ray Tracer, uh, same questions to you. Yes, I, I I agree with a lot of what's been said. The uh, the roadmap, I mean, I think there's advantages and disadvantages to it. Um, advantage being you can kind of see what's coming down the pipeline, but the disadvantages you're gonna everyone's gonna hold them to that, and they may not be. As we know, development sometimes takes longer than than expected. Uh, quite often does, and people are going to be holding them to that completely. Um, uh, and it, as soon as something is late, I think there's just going to be so much of a, a, an uproar over it that 
maybe it's better off to kind of be a little bit vague as they have been about when things would be released. Um, mm. The I, I'm on board with the um, idea of um, atmospheric landings. Uh, I I prefer to see that before uh, before space legs. The thing with space legs is, and I and I say this anytime it comes up, uh, and it does come up a lot. Um, that if there's no if there's no content that will allow space legs to be everything it needs to it can be uh if there's if if there's no reason to have space legs then there's no point in in just you know so we can move around what can we do now sort of thing and this is the argument that comes up all the time um i i think i think it can it can wait until we have more of a reason to to move around there's really not much of a reason to move uh around other than to kind of explore the inside of your ship which you can do uh, you can sort of do within vr already um if you mm. if you have the uh ability to to be on vr um do, do we know is there have they announced when when is is frontier expo happening again is that no they have they haven't made any announcements um okay. and, and when you talk to uh, Will and Paige over over the um, their stream this week. They they were very actually. You could tell they were holding something back. They, the, Paige especially was wanting to tell something, but couldn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, and for for those of you who know Paige on her on the streams, you know that she's she can be a very excitable, bubbly presence, and <laughs> you get the impression that there was a lot of oh, I just would love to tell you something, but yeah. I can't. Um, Nat, you want to say something about space legs? Um, yeah, well, I didn't know. I mean, I can I I can say it the next question. I, I just didn't know how it was going to go, but um, I, it was just about what was speculating about what was coming. Next in the game, or are you going to ask me the minutes? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sorry. Next, I think. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I think you cut out just just at the last um, point you were saying. Um, I was just. I didn't know whether you were just going to ask me the next question or not. I didn't know how the what the format was. That's all. Oh right. Well, yeah. It, it was basically all three questions together. Really. Oh right. I never got a chance to to answer the speculation bit. <laughs> okay. So I can quickly finish off and nick in before Sean. Um, Yeah, yeah, regarding what's coming next in the game, I think really the most realistic thing probably has to be space legs. I think as much as Gas Giants is potentially, you know, things like that is easier to do, um, it's not a lot of content. Whereas now the fact that, you know, if you look at, I know Star Citizen isn't a game, but if you look at it from a technical point of view, you can go outside and repair space stations. You could go outside and repair your ship. Imagine if you landing and getting your SRV, travel to a state, uh, uh, some sort of structure, get out on foot and have to go and retrieve something on foot. Um, Frontier already have sort of the assets, if you like, to do that because of the other games they've created. Um, so my money would be on a, a, a surprise but space legs is to add the biggest amount of content um, to the game. Likewise, it could be something really completely different, such as the surprise of bringing, you know, when we were promised the squadron squadron ships, which they Mm -hmm. took back out. Imagine if you had those, you could do deep space mining, you could take your squadron ship and you could have your little fleet commanders who would have something to go back to so they didn't have to travel 
3,000 light years back to the nearest base to sell their wares. Quite whether that's the elite needs sort of a, a big killer thing to happen to really take something off. And last year was very good changes, but they were very small cumulative changes. I think something big has to happen. I think atmospheres would be nice, but hey, you've got to then fill the atmosphere with something. And I'm not just talking about gas. You know, if it's if it's an atmosphere that could have more life forms in it, they have to be more than just things that sit on the surface. And we, we may jest about no man's sky in the early days, but at least on no man's sky when they land on a planet, there are life forms that walk around that don't quite look like the mess they were several years ago. And, you know, have Frontier got to grips with procedures generating life? Would it be realistic? There's a lot more to atmospheres than just going through the atmosphere and landing because it'd be like whoop-de-doo i can land on a planet it's got an atmosphere and there's nothing here so okay i think space likes is easier to to, to put in right yeah. okay shan we have those those massive three questions to yourself well i was i've sort of had half a go um i was <laughs> going to pick up on some things that uh, people have, have said about the, um, we don't want to release anything because then we'll get moaned at if it's late. I'm just kind of wondering how much of that is actually used as a reason to not re- not say something and how much is actually valid because maybe I'm getting a bit uh, old and understanding. Um, but if someone says, oh, we hope to do this, we hope to do that, and it's going to be in quarter two, if it's in quarter two and a half or even quarter three, it's kind of like accepted stuff is going to get delayed. And I think, well, okay, yeah, it's late, it's a bit sad, but I'd rather then do a better job of it than not. So, and I think, given give us a year to say this is coming, there's enough leeway in that year for them not to be uh, too worried. Because if you look at the, um, the carriers, that was all due to uh, be in quarter four, but they postponed it. And yes, there's a bit of moaning, but it wasn't really that much, was it? And then regarding the uh, Space Lakes bit, I don't know that... I have the gut feeling that's more work in that than we think because you haven't just got to think about the what you're going to do with the Space Lakes. You've then got to have a whole new chat system to be able to allow people to communicate with each other. You've got to then um, have social areas where people can meet up and chat Oh, and then you've got to have all sorts of interactions. Basically, you're adding another game onto the uh, onto Elite to do Space Legs right. So uh, that's a huge, huge amount of work to get that done. Mm. Obsidian, do you want to just jump in there with a point? Yeah, I'd kind of echo Shan's point there that sometimes seem to be a fear. I often see it on the forums more than anywhere else of uh, people suggesting that if Frontier release a roadmap and they don't stick to it, there's going to be a lot of uproar. But yeah, there's two points to that. The, the first, I would say, I think that can be used as an excuse not to release. And secondly, I think it depends how how specific the roadmap is. Again, I'd cite the Warframe one as a reasonably good example of that. They've just kind of said we've got this content coming before the summer and X Y Z comment content coming after the summer, and that kind of Let's people know what's happening and roughly when, but without committing themselves too much. Yeah. Well, I mean, personally, 
yeah, I, I think I agree with everybody that, you know, maybe a little message or, or something to reassure the, the community that it is being worked on because I know in from in MMOs in the past when people have not uh, been notified of what the next update is going to be, rampant speculation then starts going off that the game is doomed. And we see enough of those kind of threads on the forum anyway. Um, as far as my idea is, I'm, a, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit weird on this one. I'm going to say that maybe the next one is not atmospherics or space legs, but base building, where basically you can have a based along the along the ideas as uh, uh, a uh, building the one of the big mega ships. You could have a, a base planet like Planet Side and build the build uh, your base up just like a you know just like some of the MMO homing or home stuff Nat, do you want to come in on that one yeah because i i've mentioned this before and chatted on streams in the past and it it, it was something like to be honest i'd forgotten about when we were talking about things tonight but i kind of think that base building uh i you pardon the pun is a building block towards space legs because first of all you build the bases and then you walk around them like mm -hmm. you do in uh, no man's sky um, it, it gives you something to build. You know, it's like it's like build, bringing a real-time strategy game into something to have persistent bases where, and and what I was said earlier about you know deep space mining. Imagine if you could take your carrier out into deep space. You could sort of say, hey, we're going to set up a little outpost here, and that's your own outpost, and and you can set up you know for a certain amount of money, you can have a commodities market, and but there's a lot of mechanics behind that because do they then have NPC ships? Is there a background simulation there? You know what can you and can't you do with base building but I, I certainly think base building would certainly lean into um space legs and yeah it would be very interesting to see whether that did come next yeah i, I mean uh, i mean as far as the uh <laughs> when we get the announcement when we actually get the content i mean i was a little bit disappointed as we've said before that nothing was announced as, as far as the 25th anniversary, because I thought that would be an ideal um, time. Um, as far as when we'd probably hear, yeah, I think we'd I'd probably agree with that, that we'd probably hear something in Q2, just after April. And I think, as always, I think the, the, the last major update or the first major update of that season would probably be um, in the run-up to Christmas, just like the, the last part of Beyond was. Um, ben. Do you want to have a quick comment on the base building? Yeah, I was just basically going to say that base building, what's the point of a base unless you can walk around it? Um, and I don't really know if we need a base because, you know, the Anaconda's like the size of the Empire State Building or something ridiculous like that. Do you really need anything bigger? Well, uh, what I was thinking was, you know, a game like Planet Side, but in the Elite Dangerous universe. I thought that would be fantastic, where you could go off and get stuff and basically create a credit sink, because everyone's got tons of money. Chan? <laughs> Was that a lead-in to the loads of money? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, the issue with base building is persistence, 
because yes. I remember a question from Lavecon a few years ago where people were asking about the MB20, I think it was, mining machine, you know, where you could plonk it on an asteroid or planet in, in Elite 2 and then pick up the goods. And now at the time, talk about persistence, about how they'd have to keep track of the status of all the mining machines throughout the entire universe and how that was an enormous server load and nothing they've got could actually cope with it. So if you think about base building, every player is going to want to have at least one base. So you yeah. then got to keep track of a base on every planet and render that base as it was across all the players. So it's a huge amount of processing power and memory to get the base building persistent. Now, they may well have found a way around it because we now get persistent asteroids and asteroid statuses. But I would I would hazard a guess that the actual shape of an asteroid doesn't matter so much as the shape and what a particular base is. So, yeah, persistence, I think, is the enemy of base building in Elite. Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, yes. Uh, Natalie, you want to say something? Very quick point, yeah. No Man's Sky does it. So if No Man's Sky... Probably these days a similar size of user base. I'm sure... Yeah, no, no Man's Sky isn't, multi, isn't multiplayer on the, multiplayer on the same level, yeah. No. Sorry, sorry, Shan, I just jumped on you. Uh, but exactly the same point. Uh, Solve? Solverine? No? Sorry, okay. Um, just one point. When Zach put that post out a few months ago, God, it seems like a very long time ago now. And that's because it was. It was August. <laughs> Bloody hell. Uh, okay, so yeah, six months ago, the last time when we had any kind of uh, snapshot of what might come next, his wording was um, the next major milestone in the history of Elite. It, he, that was his wording. It wasn't the next major milestone in the history of Elite Dangerous. It was the history of Elite as a series. That, oh. to me, says something they've never done before. They've done... Uh, they've done atmospheric landings before. Um, they've done a more story-driven game before. Um, First Encounters was was basically a, like a, a story campaign, essentially. So that, to me, says something they've not done. What have they not done? They've not done Space Legs. Um, base building is something they've not done either, so that could potentially be it. But I, my money is probably on Space Legs. Yes, it's it's really big, but they've they've been working on it for five years and we know that they've been working on stuff years ago that um mm. there's only just come to fruition now so it's not unreasonable to think that they've been working on it for several years already okay um obsidian yeah kind of touching on on that again uh the exact phrasing from zach was the next era of elite wasn't it something along those sort of lines yeah one of those words and and this kind of goes back to the point I was suggesting that maybe you will get a bunch of content in the next update, which in, could include your base, base building, as an example there, or space legs, in addition to atmospheric worlds. And one of the reasons I still think atmospheric worlds or gas, gas worlds, because we know the way Frontier develop is through iteration. Yeah. And then build upon it over the next few updates. And if we look at what they've been doing with volumetric clouds and gases and fog over the past year to 18 months that's that's slowly been evolving step by step to me that that could be going somewhere yeah um yeah. Are a massive change and if you look at some of the uh the planets now that have been attacked by thargoids they've got a very 
atmospheric type of fuel. No, and I think we should stop Silverine right now because he wants elks. He wants to ride elks. That's just like as bad as going hunting for eyelashes on monsters. Uh, no. <laughs> well, my roleplay is a level 28 paladin orc. So. I was just going to bring up the, the, the subject when it comes to space legs and maybe even landable planets is you've got to think about the capabilities of the platform it's running on because if space legs is as big as you want it to be or if landing on planets and driving around earth like is as big as you want it to be how is that actually going to interface with each other without some kind of huge long loading process when you flip between space flight and landing or coming out of your ship and walking around because i, I can assume it's going to be a ra- rather large update you know, several yeah, ten yeah. gigabytes and i'm not going to disc consoles on it but the speed at which a console can load stuff is slower than what a pc can load stuff at simply because of the technology and stuff involved so i'm kind of wondering is that going to be a factor in how much of this we see well they, it, it's yes it's hard it was hard five years ago and they said that it would definitely happen I, I, I totally under, I, I totally agree with all the all the relativism on it, and yes, it's it's a lot of work, and yes, it would be challenges for all these reasons. But I, I don't I don't think Frontier would make shit up, and I don't think they would um, I don't think they would promise stuff that they didn't have that they, they didn't in good faith think they could deliver at some point. We're now five years on, which is not an unreasonable amount of time. Like you know, why the hell not? They said they would. Okay, well, just just quickly, um, Nat, you got a quick point on consoles and then we'll go to ben yeah it is a very quick point um and one of the more negative parts of the updates that came out from last year uh which well disappointed me anyway was that um i'm happy to see the game on consoles that does make up a smaller proportion of the users and it's a bit worrying to see that frontier seem to be seemingly tailoring the, the elite donors interface to a console in this modern day and age where we have 4K is becoming commonplace, and I'd kind of like to see a different roadmap. Let's use that again. So we've got a separate, more enhanced interface for the PC, not for the gameplay, but for the, the things like the ship menu. Like you know, I like the previous menus where I could just navigate through them. Now I have to faff around a circle around a picture of a ship, which is a bit for pain in the backside, if I'm honest. Unless I was using an Xbox controller, and it worries me a little bit that Frontier seems to be pandering to. The, the, the more simplistic interface that the console has, and I would like to see them embrace the PC more, which is the primary platform of the game. Right. Well, um, we've had a, a, a lot of backwards and forwards yet, but um, we haven't ha- heard from um, Ben. What are your uh, answers to the big three questions, as i.e., what do you think it is, when will they announce it, and when would they release it? Oh, you guys are actually saying almost what i think but i think it's not going to be elite dangerous it's going to be elite dead deadly and we're going to be paying 50 quid for it <laughs> unless you're a lifetime pass member in which case you'd be paying 49.99 <laughs> uh, now i would not be massively surprised if the next big thing in elite was the next iteration of elite dangerous no, no way. 
No, I'm, I must admit, Ben, I'm going to have to shoot that one down in two separate things. First of all, Zach said in, in his letter that the next update would be free to anybody who's bought the Lifetime Pass. I mean, could you imagine the salt? What happened to all those people who bought the, the Lifetime Pass for hundreds of pounds and all of a sudden they went, no, it's a brand new game. What? Mm-hmm. Free paint jobs. <laughs> <laughs> But, but I don't. I mean, I no, also but have I just, instead of just shoot, shooting me down immediately. Yeah, but I, I had a really big gun to shoot you down with. Well, tough. I haven't even said my bit yet, so shut up. Because Fozzer interviewed David Braben, remember? Yes. And he said, "What about a sequel to Elite Dangerous, i.e., Elite Deadly?" And he said, yeah. said "We've got a sequel to it. It's, it's, Elite. it's Horizons, and it will be cur- It will be built upon from now on." But, How's that okay. for a big gun? <laughs> It is, but we all know that the framework has... You know, we're now operating basically on a 10-year-old framework. There's a lot of things that a lot of people would like to see fixed and can only be fixed by removing. And everybody, I think, accepts that Elite Feet is essentially it's a brand new game, in terms of content, at least. So why not make it a brand new game? Well, and make it free to everybody who's already bought in or kickstarted the original. You could, they could do it however they want, but why not make it a brand new game and say, "Well, okay, this is Elite Deadly, Elite Feet. Who cares? We don't, you know, whatever." Oh, Eve tried game. that. Eve tried that, didn't they? With the dust with Valkyrie, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, um... We could call it Candy Crush Dangerous. <laughs> Obsidian Ant, you just wanted to jump in there quickly to save me from this madness. No, 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 I will. I'll add to it. (laughs) Oh, God, no. (laughs) No, seriously. (laughs) Happen any time soon. It may not necessarily be the next update. I wouldn't be surprised if we, a couple of years, a sequel to Elite. And I'd I'd go with the same reasons that Ben put out there. That To me, it seems pretty clear that Fonte hit a bunch of technical issues with Elite Dangerous, and I think that's reflected in the over the past few years. I mean, everything was yeah. going along quite nicely and quite smoothly until Horizons came along, and it wasn't. It was around about that same sort of time it was released on Xbox, wasn't it? <laughs> you you yeah, it was. <laughs> it was like six months apart, weren't they? So in terms of development, yeah. that they're quite close together. Yeah, it's, it's like they yeah. uh, made up Horizons and then thought, right, let's get this on Xbox, let's get it on the consoles. And suddenly after that, we've got delays in development, six-month delays, and, you know, we're in 2019 and we haven't seen season, another expansion. I know we've had Beyond, but that, that you could say was a course correction in a way, uh, kind of fixing the problems that came before. So so to me, at least, it does seem like there's been a lot of development issues with, with Elite. And I think, where does that come from? Is Is it... Is it just they're trying to achieve things that they didn't set out to achieve initially, which I think isn't the case because they've been very clear right from the start that they had big plans from for Elite, Elite Dangerous. So that kind of leaves you with a thought that just maybe they haven't been able to achieve the things they've wanted to achieve. Yeah. Yep. That's because of, of the technology of the, or the Cobra engine or whether it's because of consoles. It's, it seems to coincide with the Xbox release. But, you know, who knows? That's That's pure speculation. But... I think there's an argument to be made that moving away from and restarting again reasonable. And, uh, you know, to go with Ben's comment again there, Zach did say that the next update would be free to holders, but, you know, it's, it's up to Frontier. They can give whatever they want to whoever at no cost. Yeah, we've covered this 
well, part of it before on a previous show where I talked about the development of, of the Guild Wars franchise, where the original intention for Guild Wars 1 from ArenaNet was to release an expansion every six months. And the game was free to play, but the expansions were pay. So that would be their revenue model. Um, however, because of the way their game was structured and the way the engine was written and everything else like that, it became increasingly more difficult for them to do what they wanted to do within the framework and the engine of Guild Wars 1. So everyone was kind of expecting back in 2007, I think it was, or 6, for them just to release the next expansion for Guild Wars 2, sorry, Guild Wars 1, but they cancelled all that work, all those years of effort into this next expansion, made you know, a short chapter uh, called Eye of the North, and then announced Guild Wars 2. And they rolled the whole thing up and started again because they realised the technical deficit they had for Guild Wars 1 didn't make their model sustainable. So even though they'd kind of promised everyone our expansion every six months and whatever like that and go on, not gone, they hit a point where they thought, well, we can't move this any further than it is. We're going to have to start again. Right, Natalie, would you want to make your final point? And yeah. then we'll quickly wrap this one up. Yeah. Um, I seem to remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, that Elite said that, um, that it was a 10-year plan. So they've got a fair way to go and a fair bit to do if it is still. They if that's not, they've not only but, but got three years. That from 2012. That starts from 2012. Yeah. Mm, so that's still best part of three years. Oh, three years, three years, but, and I would not. But I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see this, the, like the next big thing. So not Elite for another couple of years. Elite Two is coming out in twenty twenty three. Elite Dangerous Two or whatever. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Okay, so we'll uh, we'll we'll underline that right there before we start running away. And yeah, if if we look at the time, we're now past the. T- uh, our uh, usual sign-off time. So we're going to have to quickly run through the community corner stuff that, uh, that's that been happening in the last week or so. Um, first of all, um, I'll just say that the Anti-Xeno Initiative have had to deal with four incursions this week, which was double the amount before. But the Eagle Eye Network has reported no new infestations. So um, what we'll do is we'll, we'll go over that in more detail at another another time. Um, they are actually having a cross-platform AX combat event, which will which they're calling the Wild Hunt Overture, and it'll take place on the weekend of the February the first to February the third. So if you go over to um, the um, Anti Xeno Initiative um, uh, Discord, they will. Uh, and you'll be able to sign up there. Um, Operation IDA are still working on Cleaver Prospect. Um, they've managed to get Iridium to 43%, Titanium to 22%, Aluminium to 58%, Polymers to 52%, and thankfully the Energy Grid Assembly is now at 94%. So if you want to get involved in uh, repairing stations, these are the guys to, to get in contact with. The Disho, the does still seem to be a bug where only four out of five tons delivered seem to count against that total frontier say that they're investigating. Um, the Sagittarius Eye has a special featuring Obsidian Ant. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of you two would like to take that one quickly? Yeah, I could, could go for that. Off you go. If, if that was you, you, you were asking me then. Yes. Um, yeah, the, the uh, Sagittarius Eye team actually approached me uh, a fair while ago. Now. It took a while 
to, to get it all together. They're very busy a bunch there i mean they, they do really really good job don't they all around really but they asked me if i wanted a narration for them and they, they put the one the idea by me and i thought you know be a lot of fun very good idea so how that come about a few, a few months back and all i did was just do the narration there they wrote the script and they did all the filming and all the editing and everything so i think it i think it turned out Excellent. pretty good turned out very yeah. good uh ben do you want to quickly jump in there i'm just wondering because i know last time you did a video for um, Sagai, there was a wee bit of salt about the fact that you were doing something that's essentially comedy. It was, a, <laughs> was, it? was, a, that was an article, not a video. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We, 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 did a, um, we did a role-play character assassination. <laughs> it's great. We, I um, think I kind of did a response to that on one of my... Yes, you did, yeah. I kind of did it in character. <laughs> but how's the response been to this, though? Has it been positive or... Are people accepting it's a joke? That's or are they being told to? I haven't seen any of the comments on the video. We've had a lot of subscribers. Um, we've had about, uh, we've had somewhere between a 50 and 100 new YouTube subscribers today. Um, okay. Which, considering we've only got, we've got less than 4,000 subscribers in total, is, is quite a punchy uptick. Um, which is obviously because Ant has a much wider audience than we do. Um, so, uh, and most people have been, uh, I think, of the comments that I've seen, probably 80% of them are positive along the lines of that's hilarious, great work, you know, nice polish. Um, a couple of people have been like, six months? Who, what kind of pregnancy is six months long? And stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Can't please everybody is what we learn. Yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> we can't please anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right. In other news, to sell, to help celebrate Frontier's twenty fifth birthday on the um, on the twenty eighth, Commander Arathan uh, has released his three thousand uh, thirty. Uh, let me start to put my tongue back in. Thirty three oh five blueprints. Um, if you if you haven't seen these, these are fantastic blueprints of every single ship so far, and these ones now include corrections to the data, the hard points, and utility numbers. Um, now, what could someone tell me about the little SRV that could? Shall I take that one, then? Yeah, just quickly. Okie dokie. So, one of the waypoints for Distant Worlds is basically the smallest world that's been found in-game, uh, which is it's called Quantum World, and it's in the Flybudgie system or something like that. Uh, Flybudgie QN-T D3-17AB1B. Um and basically, using thriving, someone managed to achieve escape velocity of 646 meters per second at a height of 13.8 kilometers and got himself up into orbit. Um, <laughs> and nice. got himself into orbit and then basically couldn't get back. Uh, his friends were trying to chase him. But his SRV is travelling at 700 metres a second. <laughs> Eventually, somebody in a super-fast cutter dropped out in front of him and then reversed, tapped him. So, you know, they weren't crashing into each other at, like, 1,500 metres a second, something like that. The cutter was reversing really quickly and allowed the SRV to fall into the back of it, basically. Uh, which slowed the the SRV down, and then he booped it back towards the planet again. <laughs> uh, the cutter did he, did, managed. 
Yeah. Did they get them? Did they get them back on the surface? I've not heard yet. Uh, the cutter, sorry, the SRV was about sixty-two thousand kilometers away from the planet at the time. <laughs> oh, <How far>? <laughs> couldn't, couldn't he have just logged into non-horizon? That's boring. Yeah, you wouldn't have such a great story. Yeah, yeah. records being boy beaten. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, well, what we'll do is we'll have, I mean, that's the end of the community uh, notes that we've got so far this week. So I think it, it's nice to leave it on a silly one. <laughs> we, you should have said, and finally, and then have a silly story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what we need to do. We need to, to finish off with an and finally. Ah, oh, that little and light fun, and fi- Yeah, and finally, down that news from Kamala Wotherspoon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, he, the Commander Witherspoon will be coming, uh, coming up with his Galnet news at the end of the show. But we'll do the quick usual shout-outs, which is uh, for LaveCon in 2019, 4th to the 7th of July. Um, tickets will be announced soon, we are assured. Unfortunately, Karen's had a bit of an accident, uh, so things might have slowed down a bit there. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, hope we get to well soon, Karen. Um, on our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio that broadcasts on a Thursday at half past eight at tv.forthemug.com and radiofortheMug.com if you just want the audio. The CQC Discord, we for the discerning commander who likes a bit of CQC action, that is uh, Discord me slash uh, Elite Dangerous CQC. Um, and I'm afraid to say that's it for another episode of Lay Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com facebook.com slash lave radio at lave radio on twitter and you can join the discord chat channel by going to discord.io slash lave radio or you can join our teamspeak server where commanders like to come out and, and chat at teamspeak.laveradio.com lave radio is recorded live on a tuesday at 8 30 gmt and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live so thanks to obsidian ant thanks to ray tracer who's had to leave us uh thanks to nat's right thanks to commander shan commander sovereign and of course commander edler vice so until next time fly safe and if you can't do that fly dangerous
damn it. No worries, guys. Hold the fort for two seconds. I'll be right back. Galnet News Digest, 29th of January, 3305. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, one empire and a lot of blood. More imperial bloodletting. Hippie has a hissy fit. One empire and a lot of blood. The will of the Emperor was enacted with ruthless efficiency on Friday. The Emperor had ordered all Senators to be present at a hearing to discuss the fate of the de facto leader of the attempted coup, Duke Caeso Mordanticus, the self-styled Imperator. The traitor, Imperator Mordanticus, was led into a full Senate house, in shackles. Far from displaying any form of remorse, he stood in the middle of the chamber with his head held high, defiant in the face of his accusers. Many of those who'd spoken out in favour of Nova Imperium were also present, but none of them made any sign of recognition to Mordanticus. Two lines of Imperial guards filed into the Senate chamber and deployed around the edge of the central floor space. It was not at that stage clear what role they'd play. The room rose to its feet as Emperor Arissa Lavigny Duval entered the chamber through the vast double doors at the head of the room that are reserved for her use. With her was her trusted deputy, Admiral of the Fleet and Senator of Eotienses, Denton Petraeus, walking one pace behind the Emperor as is customary. The room fell silent as they walked noiselessly forward together towards the prisoner in the middle of the room. The Emperor stopped in front of Mordanticus and looked him straight in the face. As Mordanticus returned the Emperor's stare with his chin held high, Petraeus unhurriedly drew his sidearm, held it against Mordanticus's head and pulled the trigger. Mordanticus's head jolted slightly. There was a brief pause as reality adjusted itself, and then he crumpled to the floor. No one moved, stunned by this summary justice, except for the Imperial Guard. At the sound of Petraeus's sidearm, they had quietly shouldered their weapons, and they now started firing into the assembled senators, not randomly, but taking aim carefully, shooting again and again into the panicking crowd. When they stopped firing, several dozen senators lay dead. Among their number were Senators Paul Vespasian and Eloise Winterston, both of whom had spoken up in favour of Nova Imperium. It's believed, but not yet confirmed, that all of the dead had been campaigning for the downfall of the Emperor, as part of, or on behalf of, Nova Imperium. When the remaining Senators calmed down, the Emperor declared in a steady, clear voice, there is no Nova Imperium. There is only the Empire. 
Imperial Bloodletting. The same day as the execution of Mordanticus, there were mass arrests and executions across capital and elsewhere. It appears that Senator Petraeus had infiltrated Nova Imperium, and when it came, the action against the seditious group was swift and ruthless. The Federation and Alliance have made no comment about this internal Imperial matter, but they must be glad that the gathering threat of Nova Imperium has been lifted. Independent commanders who recently undertook work on behalf of Nova Imperium are believed to be at risk of summary execution by the Imperial Internal Security Service and are advised to stay outside Empire space or face the consequences. Only the Parisa system remains in Nova Imperium control, but with the organisation leaderless it can only be a matter of time before it is utterly crushed. There has been no word about the fate of the young pretender Hadrian Duval, who was the figurehead lending legitimacy to the attempt to unseat Emperor Levigny Duval. When he's found, it seems unlikely that he can expect to live. Hippie has a hissy fit. The leader of the so-called Utopia Commune has condemned the theft of the secret recipe for nanomedicines by medical startup Vitadine. Transcendental eco-warrior Simguru Pranav Antal criticised the Interstellar Health Authority for allowing the nanobot medicine to be sold for financial gain by Big Galactic Pharma. Antal would far prefer that the nanomeds were completely unavailable outside Utopia, making everyone apart from his hippies equally sick and miserable. Vitadine has requested bids from Federal and Alliance pharmaceutical conglomerates to manufacture and distribute the disputed medicine, which has an alleged ability to heal injuries, cure diseases and extend life by many decades. Imperator Mordanticus could probably have done with some of that life-preserving wonder drug on Friday. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.